0: As uh, Carol explained this morning, we cultivate two aspects here in our meditation. One is compassion, karuna, on which quite a lot has already been said. The other one is collectedness or concentration, and that's what I'll talk about tonight. The title is "Right Concentration and Steadiness." I'll begin with a quote by Andy Bachman. We collect so many things in life. Why not collect our mind for once? First, on terminology. In the Theravada and Tibetan Mayana traditions, a number of different terms and concepts are used to denote different degrees and varieties of collectedness or concentration. The term Samadhi denotes the mind state, mind state of concentration, collectedness, and is used in various contexts. Samadhi literally means to be firmly fixed or to hold unwaveringly. Sama-samadhi, right concentration, is the eighth aspect of the Eightfold Path. And in some traditions, three types of samadhi are distinguished for those who are interested in that kind of thing. It's kanika-samadhi, momentary or moment-to-moment concentration. There's Upachara Samadhi or access concentration. That's a deep concentration that is one with the object and free of their hindrances. And <clears throat> appanā Samadhi is full concentration. It's the fully one-pointed concentration. Which is attained in the so-called jhanas or stages of absorption. That's about samadhi. The term samatha in Pali or shamatha in Sanskrit or shine in Tibetan refer to the actual meditative processes and practices. It's not the mind state, but it's the meditation type or kind. It's the practices of the formal collectedness or concentration of the mind. And samatha is closely related to the term samadhi. Samatha aims at the development of collectedness, of stability and of peace of mind. Samatha literally means calm, abiding or established In peace. So samadhi is collectedness, concentration, mind state. And samatha is the calm abiding, the meditation of collectedness or concentration. Samatha is different of vipassana. Vipassana is a type of meditation. Samatha is one. The practice of samatha frees the mind from distractions, uh, <clears throat> and it acts like a magnifying glass or a microscope. You can see that with, uh, karuna, with compassion. Like on one hand we develop compassion here now, but with the collectedness, with the samadhi, this compassion gets enhanced, gets strengthened, gets deepened. So, that's how they work together. Samatha allows us to see more clearly, precisely and steadily. And in contrast to this is the kleshas, the decepting and tormenting mental qualities such as desire and aversion and delusion and others. They confuse things, they create suffering, they make things difficult, while well, samatha calms it, brings it down, simplifies, clarifies. Sadhu Tejaniya explains, kleshas exaggerate, samadhi magnifies. Or in different words, kleshas confuse, samadhi clarifies. To help the clarifying aspect, it's recommended that the meditation object should not be such that it activates the Klesha, it activates a desire or aversion, and properly practiced with the right type of object. Samatha meditation makes one peaceful, relaxed, alert and clear. That's why we sometimes say here in terms of choosing a person to practice Karuna with, don't take a person that is complicated, difficult, in your, or where your relationship is uh, complicated and difficult. Even sometimes when it's a person that's very close to us and we think it should be easy, it can bring up all kinds of stuff. So maybe even though they're people we love, they might come in three or four days into category of difficult people, just in terms of, of samatha. The last term or concept here, jhana, refers to the four absorptions of the pure form spheres and of the four formless spheres, which are characterized by the temporary disappearance of the five sensory activities like sight, sound, smell, etc., and of the five hindrances. So much for terminology. What's collectedness or samatha good for? Those who wish to cultivate the wholesome dharma qualities of heart and mind need at least some collectedness and steadiness of mind so as not to be again and again distracted from what is essential it's what is needed to some degree to reach some depth of meditation the purpose or the purposes of samatha meditations are to achieve peaceful Collectedness and states of happiness. To cultivate certain qualities such as metta or karuna, compassion, mudita and others. And to, thirdly, create the foundation for liberating insight. And it also affect. it's also an effective means for helping living beings. an essential aspect of the fact that collectedness suppresses the so-called hindrances. is desire, ill will, dullness, restlessness, and doubt. They might not have mentioned them so far. We should. Not here, but maybe at another point. That's what Samatha suppresses. It doesn't get rid of them, but the better our concentration gets, the less those hindrances have a <clears throat> room in our mind. So it's really, from that point of view, it also makes sense to just go on, do it, do it, do it, be continuous, hang in there. It gets easier because the hindrances become loose in strength. It doesn't go like this easier. I was like, this easier, but it goes easier. Unfortunately for most of us, it's no straight line. <laughs> but you can trust. It was described by the Buddha in the discourse on the fruits of the contemplative life, <clears throat> Abandoning the desire, the desires with regard to the world, one dwells with an awareness, a mindfulness, free of desire. That would be the first of those entrances. Abandoning ill will and anger, one dwells with an awareness, free of ill will, sympathetic with the welfare of all living beings. Abandoning loss and Drowsiness, one dwells with an awareness free of sloth and drowsiness, mindful and alert. Abandoning restlessness and anxiety, one dwells undisturbed, one's mind inwardly stilled. And abandoning doubt, one dwells having crossed over doubt with, without confusion with regard to wholesome mental qualities, that means... Without that doubt, we know what is useful, what is helpful, what is wholesome, and what isn't. So much about what samadhi is good for. Then on the meditation objects, quite a variety of them. Objects that are... Suitable as counter forces for various unwholesome tendencies. We use specific objects to counteract specific problems or difficulties. Meditation on the unpleasant aspects of the human body can neutralize sense desire and attachment to the body. I don't know if ever in this hall, this has been practiced, it's uh, practiced a lot uh, by uh, monks and nuns to get over sensual desire and attachment to the body, meditating on the not so nice aspects of the human body. Against aversive tendencies, meditation on kindness, meditation on compassion can help. Meditation on dependent arising can bring wrong views on self-existence to an end. The meditation of mindfulness of in-and-out breathing is recommended in the case of strong emotional and intellectual activity of the mind, because it's very simple non-complex calming the mind in addition meditation objects are mentioned which are important in the context of the so-called graduated path the lamrim in tibetan traditions such as seeing oneself and others as equal the type of samatha practice it helps against envy and jealousy Exchanging oneself with others helps against arrogance and conceit. The deep sense of connectedness is being developed. There's many ways in, in the Theravada tradition there are 40 possible objects for samatha. In other traditions there's a whole range of other ones. In the Visuddhimagga, Magha, collectedness is praised as follows. It says, The wise fail not in devotion to the pursuit of concentration. It purifies the harmful defilements, the kleshas, and brings unimaginable rewards. Always interesting, it's kind of dharma, and then sometimes I look at it and I think, It's a kind of Werbung. It's what you would put on posters, you know, if you want to sell something. Hey, it brings unimaginable rewards. Isn't that great? An essential basis and prerequisite for collectedness is ethical conduct. Like the five rules of conduct we observe here on this retreat, Ursula has presented them on Saturday night, and we're trying to live according to them. Important basis. Apart from the fact that unwholesome behavior is usually hurtful for human beings and for fellow creatures, it also quite often causes restless states in oneself. That internal turmoil, guilt and remorse are clearly counterproductive for the practice of peaceful abiding of samatha. So in that sense it's important to have the conduct straight to support calm, quietness and collectedness. On the other hand, a contented and happy mind is regarded as the so-called immediate cause for um, peaceful abiding, for Samatha. It's worthwhile to take this ethical aspect to heart. Next point is about the practice situation. i like to Talk about this for a minute, even though, you know, it's already given here. But sometimes somebody might want to go in other places or go in a solitary place, practice, which some of us have done quite a lot. Something wonderful, by the way, which I can really uh, suggest. Try it. If you have done a few longer retreats, Go for a month somewhere alone out there. It says, it's essential to have received detailed instructions of course, so it's good that when we do that we know what we do. Not to just get on with whatever meditation we think is what we should be doing. It's kind of not uncommon today people to meditation. I do. I meditate. That's okay. I think it's probably helpful. But if we really want to do to, to to get deeper and practice in a more serious way, it's good to have the uh, real basis. And it's good to have access to qualified teachers during the practice period, unless we're quite experienced. It's also important during a retreat that. Uh, Food and medicine is easily accessible, that care is taken for seclusion, for ungestörtheit, and a suitable place is found which is calm, protected and clean, and meets the just mentioned conditions. Serious retreat centers in Asia and in the West generally offer quite good conditions in this respect. Also now, there are a few places where you can actually. That are retreat centers, but where you can actually uh, go, have a, a house or a kuti by yourself, and you won't see anyone for a week or a month. But you get fed, and there is a center where you can go if there is an emergency. In ancient, ancient times, and still today, in many places in Buddhist and Hindu cultures. Certain really serious practitioners are still living in very remote areas. Shantideva poetically describes how this situation might look like, and I love this description. It says, disillusioned with the desire for sensory experiences, these happy ones enjoy the seclusion of loneliness and walk in peaceful forests, free of toil and strife. They live on enchanting white rock faces, cooled by sandalwood fragrance and moonlight, surrounded by peacefully whispering forest breezes, contemplating the welfare of living beings. In empty huts under trees, Or living in caves as long as they wish, having given up the hardships of acquiring possessions and guarding them, they lead a free and carefree life. After considering the benefits of solitude, they bring the disturbing hindrances to rest and meditate on the spirit of awakening or on whatever their practice may be. it sounds nice and I think it's been always very touching for me and you know I haven't quite been in that situation what it doesn't but in in really good ones what it doesn't tell you is the ants that come the uh, you know maybe it gets really cold or it's much too hot or or, you know there's all kinds of beings that share caves with one that one didn't necessarily invite so might be more complicated than it tells you here, but uh, if this inspires, that's nice. Of course, we also have to choose, finally, a suitable meditation object. This may be the mind of awakening, Bodhichitta, as mentioned in Shantideva's poem, or simpler objects, such as breathing in and breathing out. Or it can be hard qualities, such as loving-kindness or compassion, karuna, or joy or equanimity. and also be certain symbols or Buddha forms, many other objects. With insight meditations... The process of ever-changing moment-to-moment experiences is made the object. Very often it depends on the teachers or the tradition one is in, which practices and which meditation objects will be recommended. Or in retreats like this, you know, it tells you already on the title what it will be about, like one week Karuna, one week Vipassana. The actual procedure for the practice of collectedness of Samatha is illustrated here according to a Tibetan teaching. Imagine a sheep is tied to a post with a rope, a firm post. The shepherd sits nearby on slightly elevated terrain and monitors the environment. So we have a rope. That's firmly tight the post there's the length of the rope, and there's the shepherd. The rope tied to the post corresponds to the mindfulness that keeps the mind on the object, you know back to the phrases, back to the person visualized, back to whatever our object is. The length of the rope corresponds to the given area in which the sheep can graze. That is the peaceful abiding in a more limited or more open field of mindfulness, of collectedness. The shepherd corresponds to the vigilance, 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 and to clear comprehension, making sure that no disturbance can come in. Like in, in some descriptions they say a percentage, a smaller percentage in the beginning at least of the, uh, awareness is at the lookout for distractions and system. So the mind stays tight with the rope to the object. That's what the shepherd does on that, uh, elevated terrain. No wolves coming get the sheep whatever might be distracting or disturbing. So these three mindfulness, calm abiding and watchfulness are essential functions in the meditation of collectedness of Karuna here in our case. A well-known that I find still very practical illustration it comes from Sharon Salzburg. In in the traditional practice of collectedness, we place the awareness on a single object, such as the inhalation and exhalation of the breath, or the phrases of loving kindness or of compassion. And we let go of everything else that passes through our mental and physical senses. Here, of course, we also need, in addition, the connection, the contact with the person, with the phrases. But that's it. There's almost a sense of cherishing the object of focus. Sometimes it is as if we are protecting it. But we never need to be to, to clutch it tightly or grimly. We simply practice with the quality of devotion, of hingabe, devoted to the chosen object of collectedness. We stay connected to it, gently letting go of whatever distracts us from it. It's interesting because in many ways we think of we go there, we go there, and that's correct also. But here's also to see we have to let go. It's also renunciation comes in. It's a lot of stuff that does not belong to this meditation. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Michelangelo was once asked how he would carve an elephant. He replied, I would take a large piece of stone and take away everything that was not the elephant. So that's to look at it that way. And letting it go. The art of collectedness is a continual letting go. We let go of that which is inessential or distracting. We let go of a thought or a feeling, not because we are afraid of it or because we can't bear to acknowledge it as part of our experience, but because in this context it is unnecessary. When we are practicing collectiveness, and the thought arises in the mind, a memory, a plan, a comparison, an inviting fantasy, we let go of it. If anger arises or self-judgment or eager anticipation, we simply let go, calmly returning to the object of focus. Again and again and again. Tsongar has three pictures he uses to illustrate a collected mind state. It's one possibility where samadhi is leading. It's the so-called threefold immobility. It doesn't so much describe the Karuna meditation we do right now, because we here we use phrases and imagination of the person we connect with, but more uh, a straight samadhi practice. It's about the body, the senses, and the mind. since the body is upright and unmoving, like Mount Sumeru, the king of mountains. Upright but loose as a sheaf of cereal stalks, loose as eine getreide after cutting loose the string that holds the stalks together. They often have farm examples, which are a little distance for us. It's, um, you know, when, when the stalks are put up on the field, they're tied with a rope so that they stand like this. And then, after a while, after a few days the string gets the string will be cut and they go they still stand but totally relaxed in the still straight uprightness like that picture all the senses are open and motionless like eyes, ears says like the water when all the stars are reflected in it the senses are open and this is essential without reacting to sensory impressions or thoughts unaffected uninvolved and completely present relaxed from the inside akin to a completely smooth calm lake where everything is reflected the mind, this kind of samatha, the mind is motionless, like the open sky, without clouds, clear, alert, and aware. not lost in the past, not lost in the future, not lost in the present, without reference point, completely open. So, collectedness here does not refer to the one-pointedness on a single object, but to the Steadiness of the continuous mindful presence. Those different types of collectedness. They serve different purposes. Now let's look at the qualities of collectedness. When we practice collectedness, five qualities of collectedness or concentration develop. They are called Janangas in Pali which is usually translated as jhana-factors. Now here I will simply call them concentration factors. The further they are cultivated, the deeper the the collectedness gets. On the one hand, a description of these concentration factors reveals what happens when we practice collectedness, And on the other hand describes the essential qualities of collectedness itself. That's what it's made up of. The representation of the five concentration factors is a kind of description of the ingredients of, of collectedness, of samlong, of samadhi. The five are applied attention, sustained attention. Number three is interest, joy, delight. Number four is happiness. And number five is one-pointedness. For us, very important are the first two. And I think that's quite useful and even important if you get those. All the other ones, they may or may not come when we practice the first two applied attention. That's what's aiming at the object. That's what brings the mindfulness to the object and establishes contact. While sustained attention keeps the contact with the object. Another you know, old example: If you feel your right hand right now. You feel it? What it took to go there and feel it, that's applied attention. You brought your attention there. It's not a tremendous act of, of effort. Just go there. And if you stay there and keep on feeling it, that's sustained attention. That's going there, staying there, going there, staying, staying, staying. And when lost. Again, going there, staying, staying, staying. That's the two, maybe most important practice aspects to develop concentration. They illustrate this two as follows. Applied attention, the first, is like hitting a bell. Sustained attention is like the continuing sound of that bell. We go hit, and then sound. or applied attention is like the initial flapping of the wings of a bird when it takes off while well, sustained attention is like the bird's subsequent gliding once they're off, I they can glide doesn't take so much flapping anymore with some birds or the first one applied attention is like the hand grabbing a plate, and sustained attention is like the hand rubbing the plate dry. So it's going there and staying with it. Both mental qualities directly relevant in our meditation here. It's essential to try again and again to make contact with the object of meditation, the phrases, the person, If we deepen the collectedness in this way, the next, the third so-called concentration factor will arise. It is interest, and it's interesting to know that if we practice the first two continually, interest will come. Because sometimes it can be so boring, remember? So that's what's missing the applied and the sustained attention. It's interest, intense interest, fascination, joy. And although perhaps because our meditation here does for many of us not so easily bring experiences of fascination and delight, it's good to remember that it's in our ability to create interest or even fascination. By just doing, applying that. It's not done by pressure or compulsive effort towards collectedness and steadiness, but rather through relaxed but careful interest in the object and by re- repeating, repeating to go there, stay, go there, stay. Steadiness, when deepened in the Samadhi practice, creates the force concentration factor. Happiness. That's a gentler, quieter, but deeper kind of joy, of happiness. There's two images. Says, the joyful interest and fascination are like seeing the oasis with the lake, from the crest of the last sand dune after having crossed the heat and dust of a desert. It's an excited joy. At age 19, I was crossing the Sahara, which was a little stupid, but uh, and uh, first thing, we got lost in a sandstorm, and we were just really lucky that somehow we found the road. It's not the road, but a and uh, we were pretty nervous we didn't even know whether we were still going the right way and then we came up exactly you know, on the crest of the last dune and the storm had gone and it was like fantastic it was red dunes and blue lake and all the green palms that's kind of that thrill is what they describe here Well, number four, happiness is like quenching one's thirst and enjoying the lake. It's a gentler, deeper joy. You know, it was hot and sweaty and difficult, and then we're in the lake, so it's like it brings more and more peace, it feels more mellow. And I think the changeover also happens because the quality of calm deepens. That's with this meditation which is called calm abiding. Calm comes in. It also helps if we narrow our, our kind of area where we go with our minds, with our eyes, with our ears, you know. Stay collected, it gets calmer. Not right away, but in a day or two or three. We put ourselves, which is of course more fun, You know, out here where on one side we can see the mountains and the lake and on the other side we can see what the people do, what they wear, why they walk in a funny way or, you know, whatever we think. It's more difficult to get calm. So to also collect the senses. At this point here it doesn't take so much effort to keep the collectedness on the object. And eventually, this is just to complete it, becomes so deep that the fifth concentration factor, a kagata, comes to the fore. And this is, this is a one-pointedness, which is compared to a steady flame in a wind-free pla- place, or a firmly anchored pillar that cannot be shaken. That's the direction samatha goes. Enough. so these are the five concentration factors which are actually components or ingredients of which samadhi or collectedness consists if you would have to describe what it is it's those five together There's a lot of stuff that has already been said in the two days, one and a half days, so I'd drop it. What is very relevant to this collectedness, also for us here, this uh, Karuna Retreat, is the fact that the five concentration factors suppress, push away the hindrances, at least temporarily, or only temporarily. The five concentration factors that I've just listed and the five hindrances are directly related. The hindrances are, again, I now list them again, desire, ill will or aversion, dullness in various forms, restlessness and doubt. And they hinder the development of meditation. The five concentration factors counteract the hindrances. Applied attention, number one, counteracts dullness and drowsiness. Attention to the meditation object requires effort to only go there, go there, go there. As a result, more energy is created in the mind and we become more alert. As long as we are not really exhausted, the use of energy leads to Increased alertness. Sometimes we're really exhausted, especially when coming from the outside world in the retreat and we're tired and sleepy, like maybe some of you were the first day. Then that may not help much, but later on it does. Sustain attention sets aside the tendency towards skeptical, skeptical doubt doubt. When attention stays continually on the object, indecision and being torn apart by doubt can gain no foothold anymore. So doubt here is not eliminated by additional deliberation and justification but by steadiness of attention. The mind doesn't want to go anymore and think it is or that or this is better Steady. number three joyful interest is a counterforce against hatred and resentment one is filled with interest with fascination there is simply no interest in dwelling in grossly unpleasant states of mind such as aversion we start to feel well Collectedness deepens how, uh, gross aversion actually is. Like, m- my image was when I was, uh, doing long, uh, Samatha practices. It starts to be like a Pondedible. Um, <laughs> you know, the things, the, the metal things you use to scrub, uh, pots and pans. Like, they're very rough. That's how aversion starts to feel. To feel. When it comes up, it's like, eww. So that's joyful interest. The number four, happiness brings restlessness and worry to an end. Because it gives a sense of safety and well-being. Wholehearted acceptance and trust in being here has a calming effect. And restlessness and worry disappear. And number five, one-pointedness neutralizes desire and detachment. That's the most difficult to put aside. It causes the consciousness to focus exclusively on the meditation object, and in the mind there is no more room for anything else, where desire naturally disappears for as long as the concentration is there. Also the presence of equanimity that comes with one-pointedness prevents us from being interested in other stuff. As the collectedness deepens, the hindrances temporarily disappear completely. The mind is one-pointed, resting in a state of equanimity with great calm and clarity, and without desire or aversion or drowsiness or restlessness or doubt. Then, collectedness may be further deepened or used in for vipassana, which we will do in five days. A little problem is when the power of the concentration factors wears off again, those hindrances all come back. And uh, often the managers at the end of the retreat stand there at the parking lot and collect the concentration part. Not the compassion. They don't collect that. Not the insights. Not the mindfulness. Concentration they collect. Carol has never noticed it, but uh, they do. (laughs) I think the effect of the concentration factors on the hindrances can show why formal meditation in particular, meditation retreats are better suited for understanding the causes of suffering than everyday life. You know, I mean, we can see the same things in everyday life, but um, the seclusion, the simplicity of the daily routine, the quiet sitting, the formal walking, the silence, the community of like-minded people—it creates conditions that support collectedness. compassion in this case and liberating insight next week in a way that is not possible in everyday life but even when the depth of collectedness decreases or disappears in the busy everyday life retreats are nevertheless useful because the insights gained the karuna deepened All that affects our feelings and actions in the daily life. That's why meditation courses and long retreats are so valuable. I see that my talk was quite a bit longer than expected, so all the stuff that I pushed around can be left out. was on um, Samatha in Insight or Vipassana Meditation Situations and we'll talk about that a lot more in uh, next week for those who will still be here so I can drop that for us here we continue with the deepening of Samatha collectedness and steadiness of mind alongside with the deepening of compassion. A lot of words and concepts and never mind if you don't remember too much of all of it. Practically the samadhi part, the collectedness part comes down to what Carol has pointed out quite a few times. If you remember come back come back, come back there's the compassion part that requires other practice aspects, but the samadhi aspect finally requires on and on and over and over. At every moment we remember, come back. That's all we need, but that is really essential. The continuity of that is really essential. I'll close with the poem by Master Dogen It gives a sense of the calm and quiet that Samadhi can bring about. Midnight, no waves, no wind. The empty boat is flooded by moonlight. Midnight, no waves, no wind. The empty boat is flooded by moonlight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.